We've got a new series today that we're starting, and it's called um, I Am. And, and I want to start with just a question, asking you guys a question. How many of you guys have ever had like a, someone have a perception of you? They had a first impression of you, and it wasn't right. Um, man, I get this all the time. And partially, it's my face. And I tell people, I'm so sorry for my face. Um, but I really do like most people. My face just says I don't. Um, but I honestly do. There's been so many times when after I get to know somebody long enough, I'm like, man, I thought you hated me. I'm like, no, if you just get to know me, you'd know I don't. So just clear this up. I don't hate any of you. Um, if I walk by you and didn't say hi, it's not because it's just ignore that, okay? Ignore that person. But there's sometimes people have a bad first impression or they have a, a bad perception of who you really are. I had a friend growing up, tall guy, He's like 6'3", 6'4", long arms, big hands. So he looked like a baller, okay? Looked like he could play basketball. And we played lots of pickup ball, you know, in my late teens, early 20s. And so he would come, and he, could, he, he had some good handles. He could dribble pretty well. And so as you're kind of warming up and he's dribbling, it comes time to pick teams. And, you know, as you pick teams, you never want to be the, the leftover guy. But, man, this guy looks legit. So he would always be chosen either as captain or one of the first picks, at least for the first few times, because it didn't take long to realize, man, he was a lot of show, but not a lot of go. Okay. He looked the part, but he wasn't the most coordinated in the world. Um, and he had asthma. So a few times back and forth, and he was starting to suck wind. He was, you know, taking the little puffs. And, and then the worst part of it was, he thought like, I don't know what he thought. He thought it was part of the Harlem Globetrotters or something because he loved to throw like no-look passes behind the back, crazy stuff. And he ended up throwing so many basketballs in people's faces and the back of their heads. People were about getting knocked out by these balls because honestly, he wasn't that great. But if you would have looked at him, you would have thought, man, that's a, that's a baller. First perception didn't actually play out the way that you had thought. And I, 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 I start this way because... There are people that have a perception of who Jesus is. They have some thoughts about who he is. And some people, they may think, well, Jesus is just this really nice, hippy-dippy, hug-everybody teacher. That's a perception some people have. Jesus is just another good guy that came along to give us some more things to do, some more rules to follow. That's a perception. Some people think Jesus represents a God who just is wanting to, you know, not let me do anything fun. All of those are just perceptions. But what I want to do is go to what Scripture says. And see, the best way to get to know somebody is just to talk to them sometimes and say, hey, tell me about yourself. And so in Scripture, we see Jesus actually say some things, and he talks right about himself, says, I am, and then he says something. And see, we, we kind of just read over these, these words sometimes, but even this initial statement of him just saying, I am, would have freaked the people out in that day. Because God called himself, I am, to Moses. When Moses said, what am I supposed to call you? Just say, I am. And so when Jesus is out there saying, I am, people are like, who does this guy think he is? Now we, as a church, and as followers of Christ, believe that Jesus is fully God, fully man. But they did not have that perception. So when he would say, I am, 
they would stand up and be like, wait a minute. There's multiple times throughout Scripture where we see some of these type of statements lead to them wanting to kill Jesus because they saw this as blasphemy. But the one that we want to focus on today is one of my favorites, and it's found in the book of John in chapter 8. And for this series, I kind of, you know, I like to present things differently to you guys. In this series, I want to just watch some little clips that read actually right along with Scripture. Um, this is reading through the New, New Living Translation, but it's John chapter 8. And John chapter 8 talks about Jesus being light. So let's take a look and then we'll come back to our scripture. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. These claims are valid, even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards. But I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father? Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So I kind of wanted to use this video because it shows that even in the dark, like rundown, at the beginning there's just kind of chaotic noise, light always breaks through. And light shines even in the most kind of hard places. Light always is going to break through the darkness. Um, and in this, the context of this, Jesus is actually having a back and forth conversation with some of the religious leaders. They're challenging him again because he's saying these I am statements like, what are you talking about? Um, but we're going to focus in just on the very beginning of this. John 8, 12. It's Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God. You speak through this scripture, God. We invite you to take this service over, God. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So to understand kind of this statement that Jesus is making in John 8, it's important for us to get the whole context. And so for that, we need to go backwards to John chapter 7 to see what's actually taking place. So in John 7, Jesus and his disciples have just attended a festival. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And let me just explain, in a nutshell, what they were celebrating is the Jewish people, they were celebrating the time that they wandered in the wilderness and God provided and took care of them. And so this Feast of Tabernacles was a celebration that even through the wilderness, God still provided and took care. So they would do all these kind of reenactment things. A lot of them would stay in tents like they would have had to do in, the, you know, in the time of the wilderness. They would, they would do other ways to just remember that God is faithful and good even in hard times. And so it's kind of this beautiful celebration 
all just in remembrance of who God is. And one of the traditions they had where there were these huge lamps. The lamps at this feet at uh, this feast, so they would light these huge lamps to um, remember that God led his people in the wilderness through fire and smoke. And so they would, they would light these huge lamps to help them remember that God is a light that leads the way. And on certain nights of the, this ceremony, they would light these four huge lamps in the temple's court of women, and there would be a, a huge celebration. I want you to think about this. There's just music. There's dancing. There's excitement. And it's happening in the evening, and the, the light of these huge, they're just passing and permeating all throughout the city. These lights were central to this feast. And they were serving as a, a reminder of God's faithfulness, his goodness. So that's where we jump in in John chapter 8. We've come to the end of this festival. And I need you to think like all the trappings of these, this festival are still kind of up. Maybe some of you guys still have your Christmas decorations up. It is way too long for that. Take them down. Okay. But they're still kind of, the festival has just come to an end. The people can still remember the excitement of these humongous Candles burning and shining a light throughout the entire city. And in this context, Jesus stands up. And Jesus says, I am the light. These candles now don't shine anymore, but I am the light. As the glow of these candles is extinguished, Jesus says, I am the one who's come to lead you now. These things you remember are now fulfilled in me. All of the things that you've seen are now here to be fulfilled in me. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. So Jesus is proclaiming, hey, that fire that led you, that cloud that led you, that light that just uh, the other night you could see throughout the entire city. Look no further. That's all pointing towards me. And the same is what he says to you. I am here to lead you. I'm here to, to guide you. I am greater than the darkness. He is the light that shows how to have a restored relationship with God. And that's when he's saying, I am the light. It's not just some random thing. It's in the backdrop of this festival that he says, hey, I am the light of the world. And he talks about following him. And the use of light throughout scripture, there's so many times light is referred to in scripture. It's almost over overwhelming. But it's spoken of in lots of different ways. And today I want to narrow it down to just three. Three ways that I want to talk about that light is referred to in Scripture. And here's the three. Light reveals things hidden in darkness. Light leads the way out of dark situations. And light produces power in life. So if Jesus is the light... We can replace the word light with the word Jesus in each of these statements. And that's what we're going to do today and, talk, and walk through some of these. So the first one is just this. Jesus reveals things that are hidden in darkness. Jesus reveals things hidden in darkness, and we call this repentance. Now, if I was to ask you guys a question, if I was to say, hey, by a show of hands, who's afraid of the dark? Some of you, like maybe a couple of you, but for most of us, we're like, a lot of us are like, eh, I, I, I'm old enough that I'm not, and, and for most of us, honestly, it's like, well, it depends on where I'm at. Like, where am I at? And it's dark. Because some of you guys are like, I'm not afraid of the dark. Let me put you in the woods. Like with nothing else around you, 
pitch black, and all of a sudden you start hearing crunching leaves. You all say you're not afraid until Bambi walks by and you wet your pants, okay? <laughs> but the truth is, for some of you guys, you've worked in the woods, maybe you've hunted in the woods, and so the darkness of a forest, it doesn't phase you, it doesn't scare you. But the truth is, it used to. A lot of people are afraid of being in a, in a big dark building, like maybe a, a big church at night in the dark with all the lights turned off. And they, that, that kind of just doesn't feel good to them. It's unsettling. Man, I've been in so many dark churches on lockup duty because I was a low guy on the totem pole and you had to be there last. I've been in so many. A dark church does not phase me at all. But the truth is, it used to. Most of you, if it came down to it, your, your bedroom being dark, that doesn't phase you. I mean, you know how to even get up and not bang your shins against the furniture in your bedroom. You know the path to go because you're just, you're fine with it. You understand, hey, a good bedroom is a dark bedroom so I can sleep. And so you're not afraid of the darkness of a bedroom anymore because you used to. And the reason I'm saying this is in our spiritual life, we can have dark places, secrets, habits, spiritual shadows that no longer bother us, but they used to. We've simply become comfortable living in those dark areas. Think about it. Like, you used to be afraid probably to be in your bedroom in the dark when you were a little, little, little kid, but now you've just become comfortable in it and it doesn't bother you anymore. Some of us have sin areas in our life that have become so comfortable and familiar that we just aren't even bothered by them anymore. We actually might even find comfort in those areas. And if we're, not her- if we're not careful, we end up just sitting in those shadows of personal sin. And they become familiar. They become comfortable. We learn to hide in them. And I'd say, man, let Christ's light illuminate and shine in those dark areas. Step out of those shadows. Step in to the, to just step out. No more darkness. I'm going to step into the light of Jesus. First John 1 7 says, if we, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. So when we walk in the light, our relationships with others improves and we become closer to Jesus. This isn't, this isn't about you becoming a better person either. This isn't about you becoming a better person or you feeling bad about yourself. This is about you following in the light of Jesus. It's about being free from having to live in those shadows. And let me tell you, it's not just a one-time act of repentance. Some of you guys have even shut this off. You're like, I am a follower of Jesus. That's great. Every day we need to wake up and be repentant. And it doesn't, it's not a repentance of saying, I'm the worst person. I'm not good enough. It's a repentance of every day saying, God, check my heart. I don't want to live in any shadows. If you see any, shine that light there so I can step out of it. We wash our hands every day to keep our physical body clean. We need to repent on a daily basis to keep our spiritual lives pure. Every day. It doesn't have to be something hard. It's just God, these hands are your hands. My voice is your voice. You direct my path. It's every day, just renewing your relationship with Jesus. And it's not done out of fear. It's not done out of, if I don't say this, I'm going to go to hell. 
You know, we got a lot of people that preach fire and brimstone. And there's, there may be a time and a place for that. But repentance is really just a daily recommitment to God. You search my innermost being. Cleanse me, purify me, help me to walk in your light. You know, many of you have seen, you've heard, maybe you possibly even um, visited what took place at Asbury. A, a bunch of young college students getting together and just spending days and days and days in worship. And when you, when you have an encounter with God, you know, it, it just changes everything. But I want, I want you to hear me on this. And I'm not speaking, if you visited or you watched, you know, I'm not speaking against you or this at all. I'm excited for you. I hope God is doing some things in your life. But I've been paying I paid attention to this revival. I've studied past revivals. And what I've seen time and time again is if we want to see the Spirit of God break out, we have to develop an urgency of repentance. God broke out of Asbury when a group of young adults took the humble posture of saying, we need more God. We repent of all the things that we've made it. So if you've driven over there, I'm glad you visited, but hear me on this. God moving is never about a place. Never. He's never been like, there it is, the perfect spot. God can move anywhere that he wants. What he looks for is not a place. He looks for a posture. And the posture is a posture of repentance. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of repentance built on a foundation of prayer. And when he sees that, it's like, there it is. That's where my light can shine and permeate. And that people from hundreds of miles away will come just to have a glimpse of what's going on. And it's not about a place. It's about a posture of humility, prayer, repentance. We sing for heaven to break out, but we'd rather live in the shadows. Man, you can't have those two things can't. They, they don't compete with each other. Light always wins. And so if you want God to do something, you've got to step out of the shadow and step in to the light. It's repentance. Second thing is, we said light leads the way out of dark situations. So Jesus leads the way out of dark situations. We call that redemption. We call that hope. Jesus gives us hope. So just a story. About 10 years ago, um, we were moving across country. We had lived in Georgia, and we were moving um, up to Washington State. So that's about as far as you can get. Um, and so we were driving across country, and I'm driving the mommy missile. Um, that's what we call it because it's really just a minivan. Um, and it's, it, it's about exactly this time of the year in February. And so driving across country in February can be all kinds of fun because... You can go from tornadoes to, to blizzards. to it's, it's not the greatest time of year to drive across country. But we were making it across. And also, like, when you drive across in the winter, days are a little bit shorter. Um, so darkness sets in a little bit quicker. And as you go north, you know, the days are just even a little bit shorter than that. So we had to do a lot of our driving in the dark, which, you know, you've got headlights. Things are okay. Well, one night... We're driving through Wyoming. And Wyoming and Montana are like you drive through them forever um, because they're humongous states. And we're driving across and, you know, in the day, you, 
there's already snow on the ground, but it's so beautiful, and you see these rolling hills of snow and everything. It's just like you're in this giant winter wonderland, and then night comes, and we're driving, and then all of a sudden, little snowflakes start hitting my windshield. And if you've ever driven through on the highway in Wyoming, there's nobody usually out there. I'm like, I could sit on this highway for 20 minutes and nobody's going to touch me. Like, it, it seems like you're out there by yourself. And the snowflakes start to hit, and it's dark. And I think, man, I've driven in snow. This isn't a big deal. I lived in Wisconsin for a while. I can, I can handle this. But the snowflakes that started became bigger, heavier, faster. Before you knew it, we're in a blizzard. My windshield wipers can't keep up. And the road quickly becomes just white. No lines. All I see is white everywhere. And I, I can't tell even where the road is. Because at this point, there's white over here, there's white over here. I'm like, and it's not exactly straight, it's a little bit curved, but I'm like, I could drive right off the road and, you know, I'm just starting to panic. You got to think white knuckle, um, everything clinched, everything, guys, yes. So I'm like, I'm going to die someday, but this better not be the day. I got my wife, my kids, like, and, and you're just, your heart's starting to beat because what seems so beautiful and the darkness becomes really confusing. I can't see anything. My headlights aren't helping. Usually if there's a car in front of you, you can kind of follow their tracks, but nothing. So we start praying, God, we don't want to die today. I don't know what you're going to do. Um, and I'm like, I can't just stop because there's these big, like the only other things I've seen is trucks. And if I'm stopped, they may not be able to, to, to stop and they might just hit me. So I'm just kind of going as slow as I can. And we're praying, God, do something. I need something to focus on. There's no distant lights of a city. If you've ever been in Wyoming, there's a whole lot of nothing. There's no road reflectors. I have no way to know where I'm at. I'm totally disoriented. And as we're praying, all of a sudden, I see flashing hazard taillights of a big white truck. And I'm like, thank you God. Because I'm following now, I see lights. And a little bit of light brought me a whole lot of hope. And it's making marks in the road that I can at least just follow the, the, the tread of the tires. And I figure if they go off the road, they're going off first. <laughs> but I follow it through the snowstorm. And finally we get, and the snow starts to lighten up. And now it's more just to a little bit of a, a spattering. And those lights of those trucks, it was, I mean, I think I was just so overwhelmed mentally that I don't even know where that truck went. It probably just pulled off. But all I know is I'm never going to give coincidence God's credit. It might have just been a coincidence, but I'm still going to give credit to God because God's good no matter what. But here's what I, I realized. Man, a little bit of light brings a whole lot of hope when you're disoriented, when you feel lost, when you feel hopeless, when you feel like things are out of order and chaotic. And some of you guys in your life, you may feel that right now. And you're like, man, things feel chaotic. I feel lost. I don't know what's going on. Jesus says, hey, I'm the light. Come follow me. I'm going to offer you hope. I'm going to offer you restoration and redemption. Don't let darkness be the thing 
that hides what is beautiful because this is what darkness can do. Darkness can hide what is beautiful and confuse our understanding of what's real. Man, I was in Wyoming surrounded by beautiful, like rolling hills of snow, but all of a sudden the darkness set in and I was completely confused of what was going on. There are things in your life that are good. You have things in your life that are worth celebrating, but when you're blinded by the darkness of our, that our spiritual enemy wants to confuse us in and wrap us up in, all of a sudden you don't even see the beautiful things around you. You see complaining, you see judgmentalism, you see all of this stuff and God saying, hey, follow my light. I, want to, I don't want you to be confused by all this mess. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we feel, fear? That's what Psalm says. I don't have to be afraid when I'm walking in the light. The light was at the beginning bringing order when there was chaos. Genesis 1, verse 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. There was light. And order started to come back to chaos. Some of you guys feel like my life is empty. My life is void. And God's saying, that's why I sent Jesus, the light of the world that you can follow and he can bring order. Go try putting a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle together in the dark of your closet blindfolded. That's how some of us are living our life though. We're trying to order our life and put it together completely living in the dark. You turn on the light you take off that blindfold, and there's still a lot of things to put together, but at least you can see where to start. If you're living a life that right now you're feeling a little confused and hopeless, let me introduce you to Jesus, who gives us hope, who says, hey, come follow me. Come be in the light. A little bit of light. Let that ring in your head. A little bit of light brings a whole lot of hope. Third thing, if light produces power in life, then that means Jesus produces power and he produces life we call that restoration and purpose jesus came to restore you jesus came to give you purpose and here's the incredible thing there's lots of these i am statements and this one jesus says i am the light but there's only i you know there may be one or two but there's this one for sure jesus says, i am light but then he looks at you and he says now you are the light this is one of the ones where he projects it back onto you and he says, now you go be the light. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give it to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see the good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Jesus says, I'm the light. And then he turns to you and he says, you are the light. We've all kind of seen those solar-powered path lights that they sell like Lowe's. If you just set those in a dark closet and then take them out at night and put them there, they're not going to do anything because they haven't been powered up by the source. And some of us, I tell you guys, be generous. I say God wants you to be, be people that are inviting people to church and that are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And you, be, you don't do it because you're not actually plugged in enough to the source. Stay connected to the source. It doesn't have to be real difficult. Man, maybe it's just a simple prayer. It's a couple verses a day. It's seeing the beauty of our creation, saying, God, thank you for what you've created. 
When you stay connected to the source, your light can actually shine. And then you feel like you have purpose. Because a lot of us, we're like, man, I don't even know why I'm here. And we walk around feeling like we don't have any purpose. And God's saying, I gave you a purpose, but you got to stay connected to me. Your light shines the brightest when you stay connected to Christ. And one of the ways you stay most connected to Christ is when you do the thing that he loved, which is serving and loving other people. It's hard to stay connected to Jesus if you're not doing the thing he was passionate about. He said, You'll, people will know you by the way you love. So that's why I always encourage you guys, be generous and serve because I want you to stay connected to Jesus so your light can shine bright. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you guys to do something to really, really implant this concept of light and darkness into our minds. I don't want you guys to freak out, but I'm going to ask them to turn off all the lights and make everything black and dark in here. So if they can do that, go ahead, turn off all the lights. If you're online, don't freak out. We're turning these off. Turn off my iPad. So there's little glimmers of light in here, but for the most part, it's dark. And if I walk around this stage enough, I might fall off and break an arm. And then you'll be, on, you'll be in trouble. Um, but if we sit here for a couple minutes, here's what's going to happen. Our light, you can't, it doesn't really change. It's still super dark. But we start to see. Not super clear, but just enough that we can kind of like make things out. And what happens is, is we live in the, if we live in the darkness long enough, we'll feel confident enough that we can actually see what's going on. It becomes comfortable to us. What do you mean? I can see. There's a tiny bit. Of, what do you, I, I can see it. And some of us are living this way and we're in the darkness and we've lived in it so long, we become confident and comfortable that I can, like now I feel like I can walk around this stage just fine. But it wasn't always that way. When we first turned those lights off, man, it was a little nerve. I was a little nervous. But we've been in the darkness long enough that now a lot of us, we can make out the person next to us. You can see me up here because we've become accustomed to the dark. So let me start you off there. No more accustomed to the dark. God has something better for you. He doesn't want you stumbling around. He doesn't want you having to squint and try to just make something out. No more living in the dark. But the second thing I told you guys is a little bit of light brings a whole lot of hope. And then I said, all of you guys are meant to be a light. So each of you, most of you anyways, not each of you, have a phone with you. That phone produces just a little bit of light. So if you can, just take out your phone and turn on your flashlight. It's just a little bit of light. But look it. When that little bit of light starts to light up, it brings a whole lot of hope. And when that little bit of light is joined with a whole bunch of other little bit of lights, it can light up this entire room. Think about if every single person in here, because some of you guys haven't lit up your phone. Maybe you don't have it. Maybe you're just like, I don't want to do this. But if everybody lit their phone up, you'd light this whole room up. If we can get everyone in this church, in this community to start shining a light, man, the impact and difference that we can make just because we shined our little bit of light. 
You know, we have a, that silly song that kids sing, but man, it's powerful. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And when we start shining our light, you know what God does? Guys, turn the lights on. Jesus says, all right, here I am. Let's go. Let's go. But here's what's happening right now. Some of you guys are like, oh my goodness. You just, my eyeballs are having to adjust what's going on. And the truth of the reality is when you've lived in darkness long enough and all of a sudden you step into the light, there is an adjustment. There is an adjustment that has to be made. There's some things maybe you have to give up, some ways you have to be a little bit different. Because all of a sudden I see differently and I'm trying to adjust. God's good. He'll walk you through that time of adjustment. We're, con we're consistently having to readjust towards walking in the light of Jesus. But man, don't give up. Just because you got a little bit of a, make it a little bit of an adjustment. Just because my eyes have to get readjusted to this light doesn't mean I should go turn the lights back off. It means I should just take the little bit of a time that I need for my lights to get, my eyes to get readjusted so I can walk in freedom. I can walk in clarity. I can serve a purpose. So those are the three things I want you guys to take away from this and remember from this. First one is just that, repent. Daily, daily, let's just say, God, more of you, less of me. It could be that simple. Wash me, cleanse me, make me yours. Step out of the shadows. Don't get comfortable in that darkness. Get comfortable in the light. Second thing is just follow. Never forget, a little bit of light brings a whole lot of hope. And the third one is just shine. And your light shines brightest when you stay connected to the source. Like I said, somebody here really needs something from this message, and I don't know who it is, but it's driving my spirit crazy. Let God do whatever he's going to do in your life.